Can I be honest right now? Can I just really be raw and honest with you guys right now? Hey guys, it's Jay Riley D from Invisible As I Am podcast and here I am today with a new journal that honestly I wasn't planning on doing a journal today. Um, I haven't done a journal since the prayer on like panic attacks and you know fornication. Well not fornication per se but like lust and all that stuff and I, I wanted to update you guys, but at the same time, I wanted to kind of wait for the perfect moment, but it just doesn't seem like a perfect moment is ever going to come because like I've been doing, I've been doing a lot better ever since I discovered that what was happening on the inside of me was actually a panic attack. And ever since then, I've been focusing on, you know, now that I know what the problem is, I can focus on deep breathing. And also, if I'm having anxiety, it means that I'm either in fear or stressing out or I'm like suppressing an emotion. And, you know, I, I, I really had to start paying attention to what was my body saying during certain moments that were becoming intense, especially when I'm at home alone and I just feel like, man, is there one person that I can just talk to? You know, I have no friends. I'm still pretty like isolated from my family. And so uh, it's just like, uh, you know, sometimes that anxiety hits or like that social anxiety hits and it's like, God, just send one God, just send one friend, one friend. Just, I, I don't need a potential mate. I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm close to the end of this divorce process. I don't need to jump right back into the water. I could care less. I just, I want someone who's on the same wavelength as me. And being a Christian makes being friends with people very hard. Like, if I can just be honest with you guys, most people in the world who want to live however they want to live, they just want to live in sin. They want to they want to do whatever they want to do without being held accountable for the decisions and the actions that they take and make. And they just want to live wild. They want to live as if there's no no one to answer to at the end of their life. And, um, that's just not like a good person for me to be around, you know, to, to, to be like-minded with that in the Bible, we'll call that unequally yoked. So in the Bible, it talks about, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And there's a reason for that. And I can tell you a lot of different things about that, but specifically, I'm going to use that for friendships. And even family relationships, you can't hang around all your family. You know, if you're seeking for God and you're hungry for God and you actually want to grow in truth and getting your freedom from the kingdom of darkness. Like 
you know, when we're born into this life, we're born into sin. And so you're automatically born as a default into bondage, into struggle, into pain, you know, into um, habits that may be carried on through the bloodline that may, you know, make your life that much more harder or diseases that may carry. So you're, you're born into a life of struggle by default of, of living in a fallen world, right? And so you don't need friendships or family members around you who make life that much more challenging for you when you're trying to find someone you can um, link up with and be one-minded with, right? You know, someone who sees the way you see, but also someone who's, you know, understands who you are and understands where you want to go in life. Those are people you want around you. And they're very hard to find, especially in isolation. And so um, I'm like, Lord, just give me one friend, one friend. And it's not that Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit isn't enough. It's not that he isn't enough. It's just getting the revelation that he is enough, you know. But at the same time, he designed us to be in relationship. And so sometimes it's just easier to talk to a human that's right in front of you because you can hear them in dialogue very easily versus sometimes it may be more challenging to be patient and listen to God and have dialogue with him. And it's not to say I don't love that. I love my relationship with the Lord. And I love growing as his daughter in revelation of him being my father and just all these other things. And just, you know, getting to know him more and seeing how much he loves me. And it's just that that's an everyday journey. That's a process every single day of my life. It is a journey to build my relationship with my heavenly father. But it's not always easy. I mean, do you guys think it's easy to build relationships with your own family members and actually them know who you are? And I don't mean they just know like little hobbies you like and, you know, they know your name and all this. We're talking about deeply, profoundly, intimately knowing who you are, understanding who you are, why you function the way you function and, you know, your hopes, your dreams, you know. Caring deeply about what you think and how you talk and the, the things that bother you, your heart's concerns and desires. It's not easy building that relationship with even our human family members. Imagine growing up your entire life, not knowing how to build those relationships with your family, you know, in a healthy way. And all you grew up with was, you know, arguing, yelling, being cussed at, and, you know, a, a, my mom was a single parent. And so she did the best she could to raise me the, you know, with what she had. But at the same time, she wasn't present the way I needed her to be, you know? And what I've been learning, um, this week is that one of the reasons I, we haven't talked at all probably about weight, my weight, my struggle with weight, um, loss and, my overeating and stuff like that. We really haven't dived into those topics because like I didn't really want to make this about um, weight loss and my eating addictions and blah, 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 blah. Like I just didn't want this to be that type of, type of uh, like journal podcast, but like this is a part of my life. I just wanted to 
there's so many podcasts out there that talk about weight loss and nutrition and stuff like that. I just didn't want to bring that up yet because it's so common. But the reality is I realized this week as I've been like growing and trying to, you know, get more healing and understanding of why I do the things that I do. Uh, not just from a practical um, foundation, but also spiritual. And so when I realized, when I learned that part of the reason that I overeat or binge eat or have certain cravings and addictions, outside of the, the natural, I might just have a vitamin deficiency, is there something in my spiritual DNA that was out of alignment? And so... Not only was there something out of my my um, out of alignment in my spiritual DNA, but there was something out of alignment in my natural life, and it goes back to relationship with my mom, where she and I didn't really have a close relationship. I remember um, she she's a single mom. She was a single mom my entire life, and so she had to work. I remember being put into like um, early daycare, preschool or whatever. And I just hated all those things. I hated being away from my mom as a kid. Like we never talked about it because it's just we don't talk about stuff like that. But like even from like ages, I would say six and down, I can remember. Like I just hated when she would send me off to like some new daycare or um, there was this lady at my elementary school who used to watch me when I was super young, like kindergarten young. And she was mean. She was a mean old lady. But my mom had to go to work and she would drop me off there in the morning with all the other kids. And then we would go to school across the street and um, because she would drop me off at her house. And I hated being there because she was just so mean and I hated taking naps. I wasn't the type of kid that liked naps. Like, you couldn't make me go to sleep. I just don't do that. Like, even now, I'm not really a nap person. (laughs) Even if I'm really tired, I still hate naps. But I'll I'll do it if I have to. And um, I have to literally drag myself to do it. But um, I just, I miss being able to really attach to my mom through those ages one through six or like zero through six honestly I don't remember what I was like you know before like I guess age three or two so I don't know I don't know if my mom like breastfed me or you know fed me from a bottle like I don't know those things but the research um shows that it's important for a baby to develop that bond coming out of the womb with their mother and um they have to feel affirmed basically they have to feel secure you know they have to know that their mom has their back and so I don't know it just feels like from birth that there's just this connection between me and my mom that's not there that's missing and so growing up with her having to work and like send me off to daycare and send me off to like you know the school care watcher or whatever I was always, I spent more time at school than I did with my mom. Like, even at childhood, it's just like the relationship I wish I had with my mom, I never got. And so I have this insecure attachment. And that explains my relationships throughout my dating history. 
It explains why I um, married the type of man that I married, someone who is emotionally unavailable because my mom was also emotionally unavailable. My family was also emotionally unavailable. Um, my mom was very distant. Also, my husband was very distant unless he needed something from me, you know, like touchy feely, you know, it's, you know, affection at some point. But for the most part, I married someone like my family. And that's what I've been learning. I've been learning, you know, how did I end up with someone like him? Because the whole point was to marry someone who would be everything opposite of my family, right? Someone who would be very present, someone who would give a crap about me, right? Someone who would love me, who would want to know my ideas, my heart's desires, someone who would actually want to be present in a life with me for the rest of our lives on earth. And I married someone who only wanted me physically, um, who would use love sexually as a sexual thing versus saying you know love isn't all physical when you get married sex is not the foundation of marriage it's a it's, it's a benefit to being married it's not it shouldn't be the root of your relationship with someone that person you should have you should be able to communicate with each other intimately and when i say intimate i mean like do I know your heart's desires? Do I know what you want to be when you grow up type of stuff? Do I know your childhood history? Do I understand why you function the way that you function? You know? And you just keep building that. And it, obviously, make sure your relationships are grounded on God. If it's not grounded on the love of Christ and the truth of the gospel and just the whole word of God, you're going to have a lot of dysfunction in that relationship. And it sucks. Guys, I'm telling you, it just sucks that I married someone who really was insecure himself. Like we both were insecure when we married, but he never like could admit that he was insecure. I can admit that because I was just broken and destitute and just like pathetic. Like I needed someone to love me. I can't speak for my husband. I can only, I can only analyze the situation based off the facts. And from the facts, he was insecure. I was insecure. We both married basically our insecurities. We married our insecurities. And we married our dysfunctions and we tried to have a relationship long term in that. Okay, you guys can put one and one together and realize that that relationship ends up in a divorce, right? <laughs> like that is just pure dysfunction for us. And I never wanted a divorce going into the marriage. Like I knew that when I got married that I wanted to get married one time and that's what he wanted too. The only thing is I was actually committed to him. He never fully committed to to me and to our relationship because he couldn't. The type of relationships that he has with his family, 
I should have known better not to marry someone like that. You never want to marry someone who has a poor relationship with their own family. You know, he could go months and not talk to his mother or his brothers or his sister. Like my family, we talk like every week when I, when I was close to them, we would see each other all the time. You know, we spun a night over each other's houses. Like we did that like for a very long time. We were just very, very close knit family as the proper term term is enmeshed. We were so enmeshed, which was not even healthy to some degree. Um, but it's like, I married someone who had that type of distant relationship with his own family, expecting that to work. I was foolish, you know, in that thinking to think that I could marry someone like that and think that he would be a family man. Right. Okay. Anyways, it's just, Looking at the relationship that I have with my mom, how she she had to work. I don't blame her for that, but she was so detached from she was always working. She was always in school. You know, she went to college while I was in um, middle school and elementary school. So she was in college while being a single parent working. And then she had my sister when I was four years old. And so now on top of that, I'm sharing my mom with my sister, her father, and her brother. Because um my sister's um older brother at the time, it was only like maybe he was like four years, I think, older than her. He also ended up staying with us. So it was me and my mom, but then my mom met my sister's dad. And then my sister's dad and her and his son end up living with us for a bit. And so that was that was the relationship I was having, you know, seeing my mom always with this new baby, this new baby. And now like this new son, this new son. And it was like, OK, what about what about Jay Riley? OK. And I felt that I felt that disconnect. I felt like my mom wasn't there for me. Like, yeah, I knew she loved me. Yeah, she took care of me. But I just felt like, where are you, mom? Why have you left this hole in my heart? And so I just keep growing up year after year, that relationship between my mom growing more and more distant. And before you know it, she doesn't know my heart. I don't think my mom ever asked me what was my heart. Like my mom knew I played music. My mom knew like I played piano, guitar growing up. I love to write songs. I love to write poetry. But like my mom never asked to hear one of my lyrics. She never asked to hear one of my poems. She never asked me to like, hey, let's make a song together because we both do music or let's sing a song together. Or, you know, my mom grew up, you know, playing basketball a little bit, but she never asked, hey, daughter, let's go out in the backyard. We had a room, we had a basketball hoop in the backyard. Hey, daughter, let's go out and shoot some hoops together. Like, it was just like, mom, where are you? You're here, but you're not present. And so I had like this hole in my heart, this void in my life. Because I have an insecure attachment with the person who is supposed to be there. And I don't blame my mom for working and trying to make a better life for us. But she still made some decisions that really hurt. Like, yeah... 
she she didn't have a great relationship with her own mom. And so my mom was looking for love her entire life. You know, choosing the wrong guys to be in a relationship with. Like even my sister's father, that was a terrible relationship. I watched my mom, you know, get beat sometimes. And not like beat to where she had like black eye, but he did put his hands on her. I have seen my mom fall. I have seen him put his hands on her. And like, you imagine being anywhere between six and 10 years old and watching, you know, this person who's supposed to protect her, supposed to be the protector, you know, a man put his hands on your mother and you're, you, what can you do? You skinny, you're skinny, you're, you're small and you're defenseless. What can you do? So I watched my mom grow up choosing poor relationships because she was also looking for a husband. She was also looking for someone to fill her void of brokenness. She needed someone to love her back. And so through high school, I saw my mom choosing guys over spending time with her daughters, you know, choosing to go out late at night rather than spending time with her daughters. You know, and I'm not saying we never had like family time, but it was just like watching TV is not really family time to me unless it's something that just rarely ever happens in your house. If in your house you guys don't talk or watch TV or do any other activities together, then watching TV does become family time because you have nothing else. But for me, what's family time at this point is do you talk to me? And know my heart. You know, talk to me so I can learn your story too. Like, it it wasn't until I became an adult, like, really, over the last, I would say, couple years, that I really wanted to know my mom's story because she never really told us her story. This, the parts that, excuse me, the parts that my mom would always tell us about would be in anger. When we're in trouble and she starts telling us about, well, my mom and dad, this, this and that and this, this and that. And it would and that like it would always be in an argument or a fight where she's got to pull up something from her past to throw at us rather than, hey, guys, let's sit down. I'm going to tell you some parts about my life so that one, you can avoid making the same decisions that I made. But also because I want you to know who your mother is. I I can't even really get it out to you guys to explain like how empty and dead I feel some days because I just do not have that bond with anybody on earth, right? You know how hard it is to not be connected to your parent? And the reason I separated myself from her is because my family demonstrates narcissistic characteristics on top of their other dysfunctions and their religious tendencies. You know, my my family has a tendency to say a lot of negative things. And so me isolating myself the last couple months has been for healing purposes and um just to get my head just to undo and unlearn all their dysfunctional patterns and stuff. Like I just I cannot be around that while trying to detox from the chaos of what I, I grew up in. You can't learn to be 
a healthy version of yourself if you keep tagging along with the people around you who are dysfunctional and they're the ones who make it very hard because like there's like this pressure to be a certain way and when you're born again into the kingdom of heaven when you're a child of God everything about you starts to change literally when you become born again you become a new creature in Christ you become a new creature and so you're not like the old you you're something completely different. And so old ways don't sit with you properly. They don't sit with you the same. It, it makes you uncomfortable because you're not that same person. You don't want to be that same person. And if you are still carrying parts of that person, that that personality, you're trying to figure out how the heck do I get away from all that? Because now I see that stuff really is not good for me. You know, you can be around a family and just have a family that's just not good for you. So you have to learn how to separate yourself to get healing in your heart and get healing in your mind. And so you can just see, like, what is from my family that I'm doing in my adult life or my teenage life or whatever life that is making my life harder and making me feel like I can't be the best version of myself. I hope I hope that makes sense because I it makes sense to me, but I'm just trying to explain it. It's kind of hard to explain what I'm feeling inside. It just feels like there's no words to explain the sorrow of not being known by the ones you want to be loved by. And honestly, this is where God comes in for me. Jesus loves me so much and he doesn't just love me so much. He loves all of us so much, whether you're saved or unsaved. But I advise you get saved because you don't want to go to hell. Trust me. But Jesus loves us so, so much. And those lonely moments, they're not all easy. No, I don't always run to God about them. When I like am desperate to talk to a human being, I'm, I do not always run to him to to have conversation with him because it's like it's easier to talk to someone right in front of you. But it's at the same at the same time you're like God, you're it's like saying God, you're not enough. Give me a human, and I feel like that's kind of insulting to God because it's like, well. J. Riley, I am enough, but this is how you feel <laughs> because you don't see, you don't see everything yet. We, you're still learning our relationship. And I don't think God is mad at me or anything like that because I, I'm still learning, you know, to choose him over everything else. There's a process to choose God over everything, you know. I'm, but God also put it in us to want relationships, you know? That's why he gave Adam Eve for relationship. He saw that it wasn't good for man to be alone. That's why he gave Adam a wife, someone who was like him, someone Adam could connect to. And be known by. Because God is in heaven. And Adam was on the earth. It's not that God can't be present with us all the time. It's just a different type of relationship. 
I love God so much, but I feel lonely so much sometimes when I think about what I don't have. And a lot of times I wonder, honestly, I was wondering today, like, am I ever going to have someone on my level that I can talk to and be in a relationship with? Like I said, I'm still, you know, going through this divorce process. I'm not even thinking about a boyfriend afterwards. Like, no, I'm thinking about, I don't care if it's a guy friend or a girl who's a friend. Like, I just want a human friend who I can talk about God with. It's one thing to talk to God about himself. But, like, I also want to talk to another human about God and, like, get excited about, hey, like, I just learned this new thing in the Bible. I just, you know, God showed me this and, or like talk about my experiences in life. Yo, God has a sense of humor. Let me tell you what he did today. Or like when you're going through really tough times, you know, and you can just lean on that friend. And um, I just... I miss having friends. I don't miss having secular friends because they don't get it. They don't get it. They they think that God is religion. Like today, tonight I actually was talking to, I was texting someone that I had met. And um, he grew up with the background of God, but he doesn't really understand who God is. And so when we talk, he keeps saying like God is a discipline like religion like tradition like you go to church like like a catholic church I'm just using that as as an example you go to church and um you do all these religious things right and you practice that but that's not God that's not God at all and I had to keep telling him like God is not a religion he's not a religion that's like me saying to you you're a religion you're a religion while I'm trying to be your friend. Do you have a religion with your friend? No. Do you, but you practice building that friendship with your friend. And that's what it is with God. God is a person. He's not, he's not us. But he's a divine person. And so everything about the bible and about the old testament the new testament everything about church everything about christianity is about relationship it has never ever been about religion religion is man's way god did create ordinances and laws and in certain ways you have to do things God did create that stuff in the Old Testament. That That's true. But it wasn't for religious purposes. That's ignorant. It was always about right relationship. God, we cannot be in right relationship with God if we are sinning. We can't. And in the Old Testament, they didn't have Jesus to die on the cross for their sins yet. So that they could be in right relationship. They had animal sacrifices and all those other offerings they have in the Old Testament. That was their way to stay in right relationship with God. Because God is a 
holy God. He's not a God where you can, you know, walk in sin and fellowship with him and think you're going to be in a healthy relationship with him. You're not because he's holy. So because he's holy, you have to do things differently. And it's, it's for your well-being. He's holy and he's good. And he gives us laws and commandments and ways to do things so we can stay in right relationship with him because our sin separates us from him and so i kept trying to tell this guy that i was texting i thought you know i was seeing if it was possible i knew it wasn't going to be possible but like when you're desperate for just one person to talk to you're you're kind of lenient on some things I'm not lenient on my faith, though, but I was lenient on talking to someone who was not on the same wavelength because, like, we have had a conversation where I thought, like, oh, it's possible that he will understand because we had this conversation and it just seemed like he was getting it. But then um, other conversations that we had, it was just always like he kept talking about God as if God wasn't it. And God is not an IT. He's not an it. He's a person. And so he's real just like you and I are real. He talks just like you and I talk. He hears just like you and I hear. And he speaks and he sees and he moves and he breathes. Like, do you get what I'm saying? He's not human in the way that we're human. He's divine, but he's still a person. And so you can't talk about God in the it form and as if he's like a yoga or exercise discipline. He's not a yoga. You can't do yoga. Okay, so when I say yoga, I mean like people practice doing yoga moves because, you know, they're developing a certain like skill or discipline or like spiritually developing a discipline, right? Or like you're going to the gym and you're, you know, exercising and you're getting more discipline and developing, you know, your fitness. And you know, God's not in it. He's not a discipline that you can develop. What you're developing is a relationship. And so the guy I was talking to, just having conversation with, we were just having casual conversation about our weekend. And um, he kept doing that. And I kept saying, like, God's not religion. He's not religion. He's a relationship. And I'm like, do you have a religion with your mom? Okay, neither do I with my heavenly father. <laughs> and he wasn't getting it. And so at the end of that, he kept making assumptions because, like, I hate when I pour out my heart to the wrong person. I hate when I do that. Because you, you try to give people an opportunity to not disappoint you. And what they do is they disappoint you. When you're not on the same wavelength. And so he he knew that I didn't have any friends. And he knew that like I really wanted friends. Because like he was talking about like he went to the cider mill this past weekend to, uh, you know, look, to hang out with some of his high school friends. I'm like, oh, man, I have no friends to hang out with. And we started talking about like um, how I told him like. The closer I got to God, the the more of those friends and I like just didn't work out. And when I started explaining to him, like, because he kept, he said, um, basically he was saying that my religion was a discipline and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, 
know God is a person, he's a relationship, and I explained all that, but it's like he kept saying the same, same thing, and I'm like, I shouldn't have to tell you three plus times that what you're saying is not correct, this is not what I'm saying, and I'm literally saying it plain as day, God is not religion, God is a relationship, it's a relationship, it's a relationship, and by the end of that conversation, he was like, he said this very harmful um, statement. And he said, is this what you did with your friends? And that right there was very insulting. Um, it was offensive because it's like, first of all, I haven't had friends. You don't even know my history of friendships. You don't know the last time I actually had a friend and you don't know what my journey has been for you to even make that remark was offensive, hurtful, and insulting. And so at the end of the day, like, um, I just cut that off. I just said, we don't have to talk anymore because he's like, I try to avoid talking to people who are sensitive about certain topics. And he said that for me, God is that topic. And it wasn't that God is a sensitive topic. What's, What's frustrating is when I have to keep repeating myself, it doesn't matter what it is. If I have to keep repeating myself and I'm saying the exact same thing and you keep changing what I'm saying, that's ignorant and it's frustrating. And that is like, I don't tolerate that for too long. At some point, I'm just like, okay, we're this is not going to work. Let's try to be friends. Let's try to have a conversation. It's just not going to work because you're not understanding what I'm, what I'm saying. And this is why I just don't like texting um, conversations. Because it, it always comes out wrong. But um, the type of mindset that he has, he still thinks God is a religious discipline. And that's not it. It's not it. It's never been it. Like I said, from the beginning, it's always been about relationship. God gave us some things, some rules, some laws, some ordinances, some some things to find him. And, and have a healthy relationship with him. When I say healthy, I mean righteous, right? Okay, we're not going to go there though. I'm going too far. But in the beginning, Adam and Eve in the garden had a perfect relationship with God until they disobeyed God. God said, do not eat from this tree. Do not eat from that tree. Because the day you eat from it, you shall surely die. They decided they were going to eat from that tree. That was disobedience. They, they automatically sinned when they disobeyed. And therefore, sin entered into the world. And boom, here we are. Now, Adam and Eve are outside of right relationship with God. Because sin separates us from God and so even as I'm saying that to you guys now it's like when I run from God that's also a sin that's a sin for me for sure it's rebellion it's me running from God rebellion is a sin because we were we were designed to be in right relationship with God but um I don't know where I was going tonight with this journal. I just, like I said, I wasn't really planning on doing a journal. Um, I kept waiting for the right time because I actually have been doing really well with my anxiety. 
and panic attacks. I haven't had a panic attack um, since the last um, journal about panic attacks because I started focusing on not suppressing my emotions. So I allow myself to feel them. And I, I practice deep breathing constantly. If I feel anxious, I just, I practice deep breathing. And even if I'm not, I practice deep breathing because your, your anxiety is inside your body. Your body is responding. Your nervous system is automatically responding to triggers. And so you have to calm the body down to prevent trigger, prevent triggers from manifesting, manifesting in their fullness. So that's why I practice deep breathing. I'm just on a regular now and I'm more mindful of like my emotions, what I'm feeling at what time and, and, um, just kind of keeping those, um, factors, just isolating myself from other factors that are going to make my life more stressful. So I've been practicing de-stressing my life, even my home. I've been practicing decluttering my home to make it less stressful for me to manage. Um, and I started this purging process like a couple years. Within the last two years, I started purging my home. Even before like the divorce and all that stuff, before things got so, so bad that I needed to purge. But um, I just, the house was just so unorganized. I married someone who literally sleeps in dysfunction. Like, I'm not even going to go there tonight, Um, but I married someone who could sleep in a room full of dirty dishes. Like, I just, it drives me crazy. There were a lot of things that I had to um, unlearn and undo and, like, force myself to be disciplined about, hey, when you eat in your bedroom, take your dishes back to the kitchen once you're done or put your trash on the banister if you're too tired and take that down in the morning. And so I had to like retrain myself because my husband has a habit of just put your plates on the, leave it on the tray because we had like TV trays in, in our room and, or just leave it on the floor or, you know, and then days go by and before you know it, you got dishes, like a, just ton of dishes in your room as if it was like the second kitchen or something. And I didn't realize like how dysfunctional that was until like the last couple years, like a bedroom should be a bedroom. It shouldn't be a place where you leave dishes, but also like the carpet was getting damaged because it would like leave hot sauce bottles half open and, and they'll spill on the floor or whatever, or like ranch bottles on the floor. And I'm like, yeah, or like pop bottles, you know, and then pop will be on the carpet. And, and so like, that became very frustrating because I hate cleaning the carpet, um, carpet stains and stuff like that. Because it takes a lot of effort to get that stuff out of there. And sometimes you can't get it. And, you know, you want to have a nice home, um, a clean home. And so um, ever since, like, um, last, I would say, like, Thanksgiving, I've been doing a purge, like, we're not going to go that far because we're already at like 42, 43 minutes on this. But I downsized my wardrobe. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I had so much anxiety like throwing out socks yesterday. I'm not even going to lie. I had so many socks, like just so many white socks. 
Um, I've been trying to buy like new clothing items to replace old ones. Like I've been carrying a lot of clothes from like college. And I'm like, I'm not that same size that I was in college. And I'm not that same person. You know, I grew up being like an extreme tomboy. So I just had like a lot of boyish stuff. And so I've been like purging and transitioning my wardrobe into more of like woman. But I have to make sure that that style is the woman I want to be. Not, you know, some, you know, trying to be super girly in this way, like this girl, when that's not me. I have to make sure that I'm being girly in the way that makes me feel like myself. Um, so just learning, learning that I've been learning a lot lately, guys, but like, those are some big things. So I've been watching this, um, lady on YouTube called the minimal mom and the Lord actually led me to her on like Tuesday. And that really helped me start going through my kitchen and, you know, um, my bedroom and I'm still going through the process, but like she has really, her videos are really helpful for undoing the clutter in my house. And I still have a lot to purge, maybe not as much as most people, but, um, for me, it's, it's mentally a lot, even though like I've decluttered a lot, I still have a lot to do, but I'm, I'm excited for that journey because when I get my house into a place to where I can, she says, manage the inventory. When I can manage the inventory in my house um, easily, that's when I know that I'm in a really, really solid place. And that's healthy for me. Um, we honestly, she talks about, we just have too many things. Like we think we're supposed to have all these things. And honestly, advertising and marketing they make us very materialistic. And for the longest, like in my life, I thought having, you know, a bunch of stuff was um, supposed to be a good thing. Like you need more plates, you need more socks. You know, like, why do you need 40 plus socks? Why do you need 50 pairs of socks? Like you have one, you have a left foot and right foot. Why do you need 40 to 50 or 60 pairs? You know, like, where do we get that from? And for me, because I live in a town home, a townhouse, you know, I have to go to the laundry mat or to like the laundry area. So I don't have like a washer dryer right in my apartment. So it means I have to do an extra step. And for me living here with my husband, even when we were shacked up, don't do that. When we were shacked up, it was like a big deal to like have more clothes or more socks, more this, more that, because it's like we can't get to the washer and dryer every week. But it was just because we weren't making the effort. We weren't disciplined in making that effort to wash our clothes every week or every other week. Like, we were terrible, really terrible. Guys, let me be honest. My husband, he had a full drawer of, of socks. And he had a full drawer of just boxers. Like, what on earth does a person need that many socks and boxers for? But it was because we did not regularly wash our clothes so we just have more stuff we'll buy more stuff and for me I grew up with a lot of like hand-me-downs and I grew up but I was okay with that it didn't really bother me like that even though like you know we do want new stuff from time to time I did get some new things like on birthdays and holidays and stuff like that but it's just like 
for me, I grew up kind of like frugal and in like in a poverty mindset because my mom was a single parent. My little sister, she was like, ah, uh, she just drains the pockets financially, even as an adult. She she drained my mom's pockets financially. And so I always try to be, you know, the older sister who was responsible and like, mom, no, you don't have to buy me another pair of shoes. I can I can work with these. I can, you know, these still got some life in them. And so that was my mentality all the time. Like, mom, you don't have to buy me new stuff. You don't have to buy me new stuff because I was always trying to, you know, look out for my mom because I knew my sister was always draining her pockets. My mom always complained about like, that, you know, even if she didn't realize that was affecting my mentality growing up, you know, that's that's how, like, how I lived. It's like frugal and, oh, we don't have enough. My mom, you know, she, money, she's tight on money. I'm not going to ask her, da-da-da-da-da. And I'm just really trying to be a good daughter and help my mom out and blah-blah-blah. And so for me as an adult, the mindset was, yo, I need to have, I need to have this, this and that. And I'm not a materialistic person. Um, I don't have a bunch of stuff in my house. Um, I have like basic furniture. I don't have a couch. Um, in earlier podcasts, I said I bought a dining room table, um, this summer. And that's the first time I ever purchased like a serious furniture piece for me. That was a big adult, um, purchase for me and so um I really grew up with this poverty frugal mentality like no uh I don't even know how to explain it I don't even know but it carried on with me anyways I had to start downsizing stuff because what they teach you is that more is better you need more stuff you need more clothes you need clothes for every day of the week honestly i used to have the mindset of like i want an outfit for every single day of the week because then i don't have to worry about you know washing clothes or or you know trying to find an outfit i just wanted clothes for every single day of the week but that's because we just did not have the discipline to wash our clothes consistently on a regular basis so we just buy more stuff instead of learning to manage what you have and be disciplined in actually taking care of your home taking care of your stuff and my husband didn't have that type of discipline my mom didn't have that type of discipline like yeah we washed stuff but we didn't do it on a regular basis we washed it when it needed to be washed rather than just developing you know a discipline a habit to take care of stuff right then and there right okay so I I really struggled yesterday. Like I had to take a break because like I've been trying to go through the socks for like a week, <laughs> um, maybe like half a week um, trying to downsize white socks, black socks, colorful socks. And then there was just socks. It was like I had to get rid of some socks because it was like, this is not my personality anymore. I don't want these. These are, I'm not a college kid. I don't need this. I'm becoming more of a lady, more of a woman. I like this style. This is really my style. I like these colors. I don't really like these colors. And so being able to decide who you are, even in just your socks. I mean, like if you struggle with anxiety and decision-making, that was one for me where I really had to just breathe 
take a step back and then go back to it. And I had to pray about it too. And I was able to downsize to about maybe five to seven pairs of white socks versus way more. Like I'm not even going to tell you the number because I don't even know. It was just too many. And I don't really need a bunch of white socks because I wear a lot of black socks or dark colors because it goes better with my shoes or my pants anyways. Um, so minimalist, I'm not a minimalist, but I, but I'm learning that the mindset of a minimalist or someone who, you know, functions in essentialism, you know, keeping what you need, what's necessary. It's like, it's like with food, we eat excessively, but we're not eating what we need. And we don't eat for need, we eat for want and desire. And that's one thing I had to like pay attention for myself too, so I can like lose the weight that I want to lose and be healthy. And um, it's just like, eat what you need. Your body needs energy and needs fuel. And it's cool to eat what you want sometimes, but make sure you're not doing it excessively to where you're actually harming and damaging your body. So for me, I'm learning that minimalism and essentialism and the way that you eat, all of it really goes together in developing this healthy mindset, this healthy um, life managing skills, I would say, you know, just really taking care of your body, your mind, your emotions, your spirit, everything works together. And um, a new way that I'm looking at it, and it also plays into like, how do you spend your money, right? For me, for the first time I realized yesterday, I believe it was, is that I kept looking at my money as like a budget to only spend this amount of money. And for me, that budget was a restriction that made me feel broke. It made me feel like I didn't have enough. And it made me feel like um, I was putting myself in a box that was like suffocating me, right? Um, so like I'll budget this amount for food, this amount for gas every single day that I work. And it, it really was draining mentally and emotionally because it's like, oh my gosh, I never have enough money. And um, for the first time yesterday, after, you know, listening to the minimal mom teach on minimalism, minimalism just for the house, I learned that the budget that I was giving myself is not actually a budget, but it's a boundary and that boundary is a safe boundary it is a boundary that allows me to move freely within that boundary financially it's not it's not a prison it's a boundary that keeps me safe you know if my boundary is ten dollars for dinner that's a safe grace and a safe boundary that's not it's not a restriction it's a boundary and I think, like, it's just, like, a really great way to think about life. Like, she even talked about her closet. She has, like, a small closet. And for her minimalistic lifestyle, she said whatever can fit in her closet, that was her boundary. Or whatever can fit in maybe, like, a, a clothing drawer. If it goes over the drawer, then you have too much stuff. Or if you can't close the drawer, you have too much stuff. And that's what you get rid of. And that is a boundary that the drawer is giving you. It's not a restriction. The drawer is telling you, hey, this is how much you can put in me. 
this is my threshold. And that's how, um, for the first time I was looking at my money is like, yo, this $10 for this Taco Bell, this is not a budget or a restriction, but this is a boundary that I can freely move within and be comfortable without feeling like I'm going to break my pocket, right? And for me, I need to have those boundaries. Those are safe markers uh, so that I'm not overspending, but also I'm using more wisdom on what I'm choosing to eat. Because um, if you guys have listened to like earlier podcasts, you know that like I try to um, start eating a whole food plant based diet um, earlier in the summer. I did that. But then like when I came back from vacation, I started eating um, dairy um, and I I hate it. I tried. We're not even going to go into that. But I, 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 the last two months I've been eating dairy in my diet and bread and sugar and unhealthy carbs and potato chips and soda. And so like now I'm at a point <clears throat> to where I'm resetting. And so having those boundaries are good. Anyways, moving on. Minimalism is great. I'm not a minimalist, but I just like learning that your house needs to be something you can manage without stressing yourself out and breaking down, especially if it's just you. A house is a lot for any person to maintain by themselves. It's hard with two people, let alone trying to do it all by yourself. So I actually gave away a lot of my dishes. I just, because I live in an area where people just pick up stuff by the dumpster. I boxed up a lot of my dishes, nice dishes, plates, cups, glasses, um, silverware, and I just put it out there and boom, it was gone. <laughs> it was gone the next day. And also, um, I had to give myself a boundary for my blankets and my towels. I had already started to get rid of towels a long time ago because I just simply had too many. Like, it's just me here. Why do I need, you know, over 10 towels? You know, I don't need that. So I gave like a set to my sister, but then I still had towels left over. And then I love blankets. I love blankets. And But the thing with me and my husband, we sometimes would sleep on the floor. And so we would have pallets of blankets. And so I just had like blankets from college to like now, like from the first year of college all the way to now. That's like eight years, right? That's a lot of blankets. And for it to just be me, my mom gave me a very nice comforter and I bought a new um, bed sheet and pillowcases. I only have one pillow. I, I just got rid of a lot of old stuff. And um, I got rid of some blankets simply because they had too much information on them, right? So I spent a lot of time crying in some blankets. Um, I spent a lot of time laying on those blankets with all these terrible thoughts going through my head. Also, my husband spent a lot of time in certain blankets. Rather than sleeping in the same room with me, he was in those blankets in another room. And so I got rid of blankets that one reminded me of him. And I threw those straight in the trash. (laughs) Um, Because those blankets have bad memories attached to them. Not that I'm not healed and not that I'm like wrestling. It's just you don't want stuff in your house 
that has negative information on it. Get rid of that stuff. And so I got rid of those blankets. And it's like a purging of the spiritual atmosphere as well. So don't think that, you know, certain like spirits do attach to our things. So purging the house is not just a physical, but it's also a spiritual thing. And also our brains register, you know, cleanliness. It can tell when things are organized and when things are, you know, a mess. And when things are a mess, our brain releases that stress hormone by default. So that's one thing for me is like, because I have grown up with a foundation of just stressing so easily. That's why it's so crucial for me to simplify my life, simplify what's in my house, organize it, organize it to the point that everything in my house has a place. And if it doesn't have a place, then it probably needs to go in the trash, right? And so I even, I brought a brand new um, polyester blue blanket right before I went to Florida for vacation. And when I went to Florida for a vacation, I had new sheets, new pillows, whatever, and that new baby blue polyester blanket. It was the best blanket I've ever purchased in my life. It was great. And I let my husband stay here while I was in Florida, in Pennsylvania. And when I came back, you know, I had to get rid of it. I got rid of it. This week, I got rid of the sheets, I think this week or last week. And I think I got rid of the sheets last week. And then I got rid of the pillows last week. Because for me, anything that my husband slept on that we have bad memories on, um, I got rid of. And it wasn't that he was just here and he slept in those. It was that also I cried in that blanket. I cried. I cried like my heart out in that blanket you know, in the last, I say probably last month or whatever, I cried in those sheets and those pillows and that blanket, even after, you know, coming back home from vacation and, him, you know, sleeping in those. And so they all just had too much information, too much bad information. And so I was purging spiritually my, my home from that stuff, even though it was brand new, brand new. It was a beautiful blanket and I had a laundry basket just full of blankets that I got rid of. I just set it outside by the dumpster and, you know, a few towels in there that I had to get rid of too. And I didn't care. They could take it, you know, neighbors could take it or because I'm not about to, you know, I hate doing extra work just to donate stuff. If I know that I have like a ton of neighbors around me who could easily use this stuff, why, why go to a shelter or why go to like, um, you know, Salvation Army to drop that stuff off when it's a hassle. It's just a hassle. I don't like doing that stuff. I'd rather just give it away for free. <laughs> and um, I gave a, a lot of nice blankets away. Um, anyways, it's been emotionally um, interesting to see how getting rid of the stuff, the extras, because you don't know that the stuff in your house is extras because the world doesn't teach you that you have too much stuff. Like, honestly, I was watching, like, how many socks does a person really need? I was looking that up on YouTube. And one lady said you need maybe six to ten pairs, maybe 
14 at max, but you know, the, the number should be the mid number is 10. I mean, that, that's, that's still a lot of socks, you know, because you, what are you doing? I mean, you should be washing probably every week, every other week. For me, you need at least seven pairs. For me, for me personally, I need at least 20 pairs <laughs> minimum. Like I'm still working on that, but, um, that's just cause I love socks. Like, but anyways, um, we just have too much stuff. So it feels good to purge because it's, it's becoming more manageable. I have one comforter and I still have two nice, you know, colorful blankets. They're more like throws. They're throws. They're not blankets. And then I have like a small throw. And then I have like one or two, two brown uh, blankets for the winter time. Um, so that's that's manageable right now and I could still downsize that number um to maybe just like maybe three or four blankets or you know whatever but it just really depends on is this what Jay Riley feels comfortable managing in her house can I manage this inventory year in and year out these five total of blankets in my house and I think yes I can wash these these are manageable to wash and so like um even sheets i had like one two i had like three or four pairs of sheets for what i have one mattress you know i got rid of the other mattress a long time ago so what do i need extra sheets for i don't they say what you really only need is two pairs one on the bed and one one um set for just in case you don't need all these fancy looking colors and all these other you just need the necessary amount we just buy too much stuff because they're always advertising advertising to us more this better that get the next thing you know and then at the same time they're like putting this fear into us like oh what if you don't have enough what if you don't have enough so i'm getting tired i'm very sleepy it's 11.24 at night, and it's Sunday, October 11. I love you guys. If you've listened to this whole thing, that's awesome. I mean, I'm sharing my heart for myself, but um, I needed to pour out because I was holding it in, and you don't want to hold it in. So I do love you guys so much. I hope you listen to this whole thing. I'm going to figure out what song I can drop at the end of this. So check it out. I see you when you're down and depressed, just a mess. I see you when you cry, when you shy, when you want to die. I see